You are now listening to The Big Data Beard. Hey everybody, this is Corey Nutton with The Big Data Beard, and we are in the final day of SplunkConf, the last session to be recorded in the IoT RV. And we found a friend of ours from Splunk who is, turns out he's an RV aficionado. Rick Fitz, how you doing today, buddy? I am doing absolutely fantastic. And and I, I, I got to tell you, when I heard that you were doing interviews in the RV, yeah. I, I'm like, I got to go down to do this. <laughs> well, this that. is really important. So you've got experience in RVs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I owned them for uh, about 12 years and uh, uh, did, took my kids all over pretty much the western United States, but okay. uh, out for long trips and... Uh, we just had an absolute blast, um, yeah. and, and they were so much fun. So did you ever take a trip where you were with uh, a bunch of grown men in an RV? Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I can actually tell you a couple of those stories, too. Yeah, yeah we used to take uh, golf trips uh, oh, quite awesome. frequently. It uh, took uh, a bunch of people uh, to uh, – uh, actually, we live in California, so mm-hmm. it was a trip from San Francisco up to Reno for the weekend. Very cool. Yeah, it was, I had trouble getting the guys out of the RV once they realized how comfortable it was. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a good way to travel, <laughs> isn't it? Exactly right. Yeah, it's, it's good if you're not the driver. That's mm-hmm. what I find, because you get to get up and walk around. Yeah. You can go back and get yeah. yourself a drink and a snack. <laughs> the driver's the one that's suffering. Yeah, so and that's unfortunately the truth, because I was like, all right, some one of you guys I'm training to drive. And they're like, nope. <laughs> and I'm like, it's my my duty to get you from place to place, so uh, it that's was right. a lot of fun. It is a lot of responsibility. These things are enormous. Like, yeah. they're so tall. They're so kind of unwieldy on the road. It's not like driving your, you know, your family car down the street it's (laughs) it is legit work it is it is yeah in fact we got caught in a snowstorm it was amazing coming down uh, from reno really yeah with no chains and i'm driving with about two inches of snow on the ground oh you know eighteen thousand pounds you know yeah it it didn't move around too much (laughs) but if it got moving it'd be scary (laughs) it would just be moving (laughs) exactly right well rick you don't always drive rvs and you don't always uh you know attend just one conference you do lots of cool things but tell us a lot a little bit about what you do for the team at splunk yeah, so my job is is perhaps one of the best jobs in the world. Uh, I get to figure out our strategy and and develop our vision of where we're taking uh, the products uh, and the portfolio. And then when we bring out new products or acquire companies, it's my job to make sure they're successful. Um, so recent acquisitions of Signal FX and Omniscient were things that I was exploring and uh, worked to to execute. And I'm the executive sponsor, and uh, those those teams report into me now. So. It, it's just uh, it's just a great job, and I've been with the company for almost five years now, and uh, yeah, I too love Splunk. So, Very cool. Yeah, it is. It's hard not to love the the community is exciting. The the people that get passionate about it, it's it's obvious here. But for those folks that don't, we, we've had some good conversations about Splunk and some of the announcements that have come out of the conference. But help me understand a little bit about some of these acquisitions because it's been. It seems like Splunk has been on. Uh, on a what it seems like a spree, but it seems like a pretty targeted one. Yeah. So let's pull let's pull the thread on those signal effects. What was the thinking behind the acquisition there? Yeah. So I mean, I know your listeners are very familiar with Splunk, uh, and and uh, they recognize that you know we have this great logging capability, which is amazing. Um, one of the things that we did a few years ago is we started moving more from just investigation and logs to moving into the monitoring space. We introduced a product called IT Services Intelligence. And in that, in doing so, one of the often requested capabilities is centered around applications. What are you doing with applications? And, and for you know the last four years, I've just said, well, we partner there. Uh, use your App Dynamics, your Wiley, your you know New Relic, whatever you choose to in that space. Uh, and in my mind's eye, I, my background, by the way, I've been doing commercial software development for a lot of years, uh, but I've literally only built software for monitoring. So I worked at CA Technologies, NetScout, Network General, Remedy Corporation, uh, BMC Software. Uh, and my last six years before I came here was focused on the service assurance portfolio products at CA, of which we had Wiley. 
So I, I had a really good experience with uh, APM and uh, really a good appreciation of what that, what the problems those products solve in, in the world. Um, and I also recognize that those products are great products. There's, a, there's just a whole uh, series of really outstanding technologies there. And I didn't want to you know, jump into a very crowded space where there's good tech. Mm -hmm. um, but I, in my back of my mind, I was always thinking, my gosh, you know, when the application architecture shift, that's a good time to jump into a market, Absolutely. right? And, and so what we started to see, of course, is over the last few years, people are moving to these cloud-native architectures. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, they're changing the way they deliver applications. They're, they're adopting DevOps practices. And uh, it's just kind of changing everything. Now, the, the beauty is that most of the developers that are developing these applications are starting to think about instrumentation. They're thinking about metrics. They're thinking about, you know, perhaps using open tracing capabilities for uh, developing traces. And so all of that data that's coming is, is the kind of data that Splunk should mm -hmm. be ingesting. Right? Absolutely. And so uh, it was just like a perfect storm. It's like this is the right time for us to jump in. Uh, and we went out and surveyed the market and, and tried to assess really what we should do and uh, ran into both uh, SignalFX and an Omniscient. Um, SignalFX is focused predominantly on streaming metrics, um, you know, evaluating those in stream, which is incredibly powerful, uh, especially in these worlds where you have hundreds of microservices that are stateless, <laughs> yeah. bursting into, you know, serverless workloads. Um, it, it, you know, you, it, the, the way you have to manage those things, is just different. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so uh, we found them and we were like, oh, this is fantastic. And then they also had uh, just last December had launched their microservices APM product. And so I'm like, oh, good. You guys are already on the on that on that train. Um, and also, as we so as we actually went into the process of, of due diligence and buying the company, um, we ran into Omniscient, and we were like, oh my gosh, you guys uh, literally are taking the tracing aspects of this problem and really doubling down on that. And we just saw the two companies together being incredibly powerful in the market. Um, and so we went ahead and, and purchased them both. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they've only been with us for about three weeks now. Yeah, I was uh, going to say, they're pretty but new, right? But, yeah, we're, we're putting them to work. Yeah. yeah. Well, you <laughs> saw that you had the, the two kind of the founders and the team on stage at the conference. Mm -hmm. it, it's got to be a it's got to be a pretty monumentous effort to take companies like that that are down the path with the tech stack to get it kind of ported into the Splunk world. Help me understand, yeah. like, from a vision perspective, how do you drive that to make, you know, tech acquisitions always kind of, they're, they're, they're strange, right? Some people are mm -hmm. really successful with them and other companies, you know, they buy companies and then they go die. Yeah. How do you kind of take that vision that you had for buying it and really ensure that you have a proper integration of the tech stack and it becomes successful? Yeah. You know, I have a lot of uh, lessons <laughs> from prior lives of mm -hmm. doing both good ones and bad ones. So what I really wanted to do this time around was take all that <laughs> years of experience and, and apply it. Mm -hmm. I think that the most important thing is that when you are buying a company, you, 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 you have to think about, you're buying people. You're, you know, software doesn't build itself, right? Software is built by people. And so having uh, that in your mind and thinking about the culture of the organization that you're acquiring and making sure that that culture is compatible with the culture that exists here mm -hmm. at, at Splunk. And, and if you do that, that, that's when you really start to retain the engineers and they thrive, mm -hmm. right? And so that, that is a key ingredient to kind of our decision criteria. Yeah, and then the tech. Yeah, the right? tech the, is the cool. Tech, but... The tech is cool. That's important. Um, one other dimension that's incredibly important to us is the architecture. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that we're we're compatible for our vision of what architectures are all about. So Tim Tully, our CTO, 
like Tim, if this doesn't fit in our, you know, in our mind's eye of what the Splunk architecture for our platform is, then we, we shouldn't participate. I mean, it's just um, because if you don't do that, you don't get that right. You, you, the, the team is always feeling like they're on the outside. They're yeah, not absolutely. part of the broader part of the organization. So um, those are the two criteria that I think we have to get right. And that happens before you even make the acquisition. Then when you make the acquisition, there's a whole bunch of care and feeding that goes on and communication and um, making things clear. So right up front, we're really clear on what our mission is, what their, their mission is, and, and where we're investing. And, and we spend a lot of team, time with the teams and, and making sure that the, we clear blockers so that they can do what they do best, which is get software in the hands of great customers. So um, that's how we do it. And uh, it, it, it's not easy. Yeah, absolutely uh, not. It's not easy because it is about people. Yeah, absolutely. So when I think about Splunk, and, and when many people think about Splunk, they have they maybe have this uh, this memory of Splunk, of the Splunk that they knew from years ago, right? Mm-hmm. The logging company. And as, as Splunk evolved, you know, security became the use case that everybody kind of gravitated towards and it was super popular. Help me understand how the IT operations and in your role, how you're making the IT ops part of Splunk and that intelligence part of it a first class citizen in people's mind. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's, you know, we started in IT. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, the, you'd think that we actually have a, a little leg up, like as we've been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I have to say, you know, security over the last few years has just been on fire because, you know, everybody has budget to fix that. It's like an endless budget. Let's yeah. just go get this. This, this because issue. the penalties for not doing so are pretty, they're, they're pretty high, right? Yeah, they, sh- <laughs> they show up in the evening news. That's so, right. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's pretty obvious there. So my job is just to continue to make sure that we understand, uh, you know, the trends that are creating the market mm-hmm. and then going out and addressing those trends, but also building a vision of what modern IT looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, talk, I refer to it as, as new IT mm-hmm. because I think that we live in a world in the IT organizations that we serve today um, where, look, they, the last five years and perhaps even the last 20 years, all of the big four mm-hmm. that have built all of our management tools aren't, they don't exist anymore for the most part. I mean, they, they exist in different forms, mm-hmm. but I, I can't, I, I have not had a conversation with a customer recently where they said, yeah, that stuff works great. And I'm, I'm continuing to invest in it. Like, like <laughs> Absolutely. People are like, this stuff is old yeah. and it's clunky mm-hmm. and it's, 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 it's costly. Um, and I, I need to, to start to modernize. And that's, that's why we started coming back up with say, Hey, we need to think about what is new IT look like? Mm-hmm. And what does it look like when you're thinking about it or taking a model-driven approach or an ML approach to solving these problems? And and I think the market is starting to pick up a little bit on this term of AI ops. But but it, it, it is like, well, it, it's different. There's a different way of doing this if you take a data-driven approach to these problems. And so I've had to try to elevate that, that, that dialogue. Um, and then the application architectures I mentioned before are changing. So there's a lot of changing that's happening within the enterprises themselves. There's a cultural change in the way they build applications. The, the DevOps teams work and operate differently than the traditional ops. You know, the, the traditionals will throw it over the wall and exactly. ops will take Hope care of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, so we have to help these people, all of your listeners, to get, get, to, get to, the, to the next generation. And, yeah. and we also, I think it's important for us to do it in a way that, that is, is, is uh, show them the path, but mm-hmm. also respect the fact that people are going to have their apps that are C++ and monolithic for a long time. Yeah. They're not going away. No, they're not. These Java applications we spent the last 10 years writing, they're going to be in production. Mainframes are still a thing. <laughs> they're, they're still a thing. <laughs> there's things that are going to still be in, in our control. So we have to make sure you can take a data-driven approach to all of those yeah. environments, and uh, that's really important. Awesome. Well, the, you know, there's a, 
the one of the kind of brilliant people that works in, in this next generation IT around AI is a guy named Andrew Ning, and he's famous for having a quote that when he asked when asked about you know the impact of AI. He said, think about it less as Skynet, like the Terminator that's going to kill us. <laughs> he, says th- he says, think about it more as automation on steroids. Yeah. I'm curious from your perspective, how do you see Splunk using all the advancements that have been happening over the last few years around machine learning and AI? How is Splunk bringing that capability that's out there in the open source and out of, coming out of the scientific community? How are you using that to actually deliver on automation and IT? Well, there's two dimensions to that. I, I think... Um you know what I what I find when I follow, you know talk to customers. In fact, I was just in a meeting right before I walked in here with with one of our customers, and we were talking about uh, predictive scoring. So they were running some models, and 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 the interesting thing came up. I'm saying, well, why aren't you guys using this more frequently? And they said, well, the problem is our teams, they're not ready for it. Like they when they get a predictive alert, they don't know that they trust it. Like if we're going to predict with 90 percent accuracy or 95 or 98 percent probability you're going to have an outage, yeah, I think you should take action. Yeah. Um, but they're like, well, wait a second. Now, is that, is this true? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, there's this, and I said, well, that's math. So yeah, it's math. Yeah, well, you guys have been doing statistics for a long time. You're, you're monitoring people. <laughs> yeah, I think you exactly. should learn this math. Uh-huh. But, but I think, you, you know, you have to think about these, 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 this, this math, this next generation way of doing things for ML and, and, and using kind of an AI approach to some of these problems. Uh, there's a human element of this too. Mm-hmm. And I think we can't underestimate that. And so what we've been doing is we've been taking the algorithms and, and testing them and what have you. But what we also try to do is build a interface that shows you the result sets, that lets you actually start to trust what you're seeing is something that should be taken action on. Like you, you, you can't just say it, it is because it is. Yeah. You, you, IT people are, tend to be a little skeptical. So. <laughs> yeah, well, and, it's, it's, and they're not wrong. I mean, mo- I mean there's even some of the, the folks that are the best practitioners in the world about model development and algos will tell you that all algos are inherently wrong, but many of them are useful. Yeah. And so it's yeah. how do you extract that signal from the noise that's and the right. usefulness of yeah. those algos. Yeah. And and that that that's part of our job is to make sure that we we make it easy for people to consume that that information. You know, the best AI is the stuff you don't know is there. I mean, that's that's it just becomes part of, you know, elegant design. It's like, wow, that was that's very useful. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's very helpful. Um, there's another dimension. We're talking a lot about systems and modeling. I, I, I still think we're just barely starting the, you know, we, we talk about in our indexes, there's all this event data. Well, let's not forget that a lot of that event data is human behavior and modeling human behavior can be incredibly valuable to, to an operator Mm -hmm. or someone who's trying to troubleshoot a problem. In fact, in VictorOps, we just did a new feature set called suggested responders. So we actually go through and we look through all of the uh, prior investigations that have occurred, all the prior instance, and we f- score people who respond so that we can actually come up and say to you, hey, you know what? Sally is perhaps the person you should escalate this to or work with to solve this problem. And, uh, it, you know, that's helpful. That is incredibly helpful. incredibly helpful, especially when you're in a, a very diverse team and perhaps you don't know, I mean, especially geographically dispersed. Yeah, absolutely. You may not know all of the people. Well, and then at scale, it's hard to know. I mean, if you, yeah. the large enterprises who would take advantage of it, that's right. having a full understanding of the skill set of your, te- your staff may be challenging to find those patterns. That, that's right. That's right. It's interesting you surfaced that. So VictorOps was another one of those acquisitions. Yes. A little bit further back. Mm-hmm. Help me understand, is it, I mean, is it absolutely part of the ITSI sort of methodology in the IT market segment? Or? Yeah. I, I actually said, um, one, how I always joke when I'm on the stage, and it's not really a joke, but it's, it's true. Uh, when, you, when, you're, when you're just doing investigative words, mm-hmm. it's a search bar. Yeah. So what's your, what's your workflow? Yeah. Uh, search. 
<laughs> that's the, that's that is the workflow. You're going to At least find super it, yeah. simple, right? <laughs> the minute you take a step into monitoring, now you have to think about workflow because there is a process. And that process is one where you'll do investigative work at some point. But it usually starts with some form of a, a, a monitoring solution generating an alert. That alert causes activity, human activity to occur to isolate and then eventually determine root cause. Uh, and then hopefully that the rectification of that, that root cause is some form of automation. So, so hopefully you're not doing it all manual, but in some cases manual work. Um, and so we started to think about that process and we use Victorops as the, as the way to think about that process. So we, we have this, this, the alert gets handed off, someone gets notified, they can investigate in, in, you know, on their mobile device and, and try to resolve a problem. By the way, we don't look at Victorops as the system of record. Mm -hmm. We still think that that activity, that human activity should inform a service now or remedy or, or some other system that is your system of record. Mm -hmm. um, but what we don't want to do is we don't inhibit the, the real troubleshooters from working. Yeah. I mean, last thing people really want to do, honestly, is open a ticket. Yeah. Right. Nobody, <laughs> nobody, nobody wants really to wants to, to open yeah. a ticket. And so they shouldn't have to when they're troubleshooting. But yeah. yet that data and that information is incredibly powerful. So putting that into the system is really important. But VictorOps is where we explicitly use the workflow. And at the very end of that incident, we actually have a post-incident review because it was built with a DevOps mindset. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of reflecting and learning, which I think is incredibly important because you know, when you're building everything on models, you got to take care of those models. Those algos, you know, don't, they need care and feeding. Absolutely. And and as new capabilities and new features come into the environment, you have to pay pay close attention to that. But VictorOps is that workflow. Yeah, and, gotcha. and that's our engagement. You know, our platform for engagement is the way we call it. So when you think about the the ops world, why is it that, that ops is, you know, the ops methodologies, like, or even like you talked about AOPS, why is that now coming back so much into the front of the mind for so many people? And why is Splunk thinking more about how to modernize ops specifically? Well, it's our customers. Yeah. I mean, they, everybody's going through kind of a modernization effort. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I just think it's the condition of the market. I mean, the market now is, uh, you know, there's just a lot of old products out there. Yeah. You know, I, you know, people are still using technologies that were developed in the 90s. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I used to manage a product called Spectrum IM years ago. That thing was written in the 90s early 90s yeah. and it's still in production or you still use like, absolutely okay i get it it's getting yeah. a little old you know a little long it, in the tooth a little, yeah <laughs> is there a better way yeah, yeah i think there probably is yeah uh, we can take an ai driven approach to these problems um you know because back then there's so many constraints that 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 existed back then compute mm -hmm. storage network yeah. uh you know we just we did things differently yeah. uh, and you can definitely take a modern data-driven approach to a lot of these old standing problems and, yeah. and make progress well one of the modern things that's happening is this and noticed it a lot at the conference this week was this shift towards changing the experience for the users mm -hmm. and this really big focus on mobile help me how help me understand how the mobile strategy impacts your customers in the it operation segment well you know, it's funny when Tim came here a couple of years ago, our CTO, and he says, you know, I really want to bring kind of this consumer mindset to to our uh, kind of that elegance, that design to to our application. Indulgent design. Yeah. Indulgent. I like that. That's a, cool, that's a cool term. <laughs> yeah. And I, I started thinking I, I, I was, you know, kind of and I started really thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? That that that's very splunky because our customers love using our software. So why not make it? everything we do, make it easier for them to love it. Mm -hmm. And I think that the mobile is just a good example of that. I don't know about you, but I open my laptop maybe, of course now I'm a manager, so technically I don't work for a living, but I'm on my mobile device. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's how I work, yeah. right? And, that, and, and so I think that is, 
is the way people are going to work in the future. Yeah. And um, we just have to get modernize that element of our portfolio. And, and if you've ever played around with some of our apps, they're very elegant. Yeah. And they're easy. And getting more so. Yeah. I mean, it, you had dark mode last year and it blew everybody's mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mobile's yeah. the new dark mode. Yeah, but yeah, that's, yeah, it could be. I don't know. There was a couple of features that uh, some of the guys screamed about, you know, this, yeah. uh, work workload control still seems to be, a, you know, a big feature set. So, um, but yeah, it, it, it is it is definitely kind of the next wave, and it, it, we just want people to enjoy using their software, yeah, and, and that's really what's important. So we've we've had a whole busy week at the conference. Yeah. When you leave here, what are the th like, what are the top things you're most excited that have been announced here this week that you're going to be taking back out and talking to customers about that really shows that vision of why Splunk is a relevant part of the enterprise software stack today? Oh my gosh, there were just so many things. Um, you know, in our product portfolio. Some of the great announcements around ITSI, uh, even big drops. I mentioned that feature set that I I, I, I talked about earlier. Um, you know, I'm I'm just excited to get to talk to people more about SignalFX and Omniscient as well. Omniscient, by the way, was a stealth mode startup, so they had they don't they don't they didn't have a shipping product. Like you go to their website, you get like well who they just a, you know blank page right. Um, so I'm anxious to get that in the hands of customers and. Let them really check it out because it's it's quite impressive. Very cool. Yeah. So there's some new products that are just going to be fun, uh, fun to work with uh, some of these customers and solving some of their longstanding issues. So, I dig it. Yeah. Those are my those are my. I don't know if there's a long list, but that's, <laughs> those are the fun ones. A yeah. ton, of, ton of announcements. Yeah. Well, Rick, it has been awesome to have you in the IoT RV. But before I let you go, I want to shift gears a little bit. We've learned a lot from our guests about big data, but now it's time to get a bit personal. In a segment we like to call Rapid Fire. All right, Rick, let's do this. We're going to have rapid fire. I've got just a few quick questions for you. First question, what is the last really great book you read that you would recommend to our listeners? Oh, I love this one. And uh, I, I just reread it. Um, I'm, I'm a Lencioni fan. Uh, he's written a lot of books. Uh, but Death by Meetings is is a, is a great one. Death uh, by Meetings, yeah, huh? Yeah, I think I got the title right. But you don't that, live that by uh, no in, I, as well, a manager, as do you? A, no, actually, <laughs> philosophically, I'm going to share another thing with your with your listeners. I mean, it's like you shouldn't spend more than 10 percent of your work week in a meeting, yeah, like unless it's a working meeting, absolutely, right? yeah. Uh, and I think that 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 is that is it's 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 important that all of all of us managers, <laughs> yeah, uh, keep that in mind, absolutely, um, because in some cases meetings are boring. Uh, well, and sometimes and not useful. Yeah, and sometimes <laughs> I get blown away because you know people will get they'll get concerned over like you know, a budget of spending $100 on something for whatever, but they have no problem grabbing 10 people who make a lot of money every <laughs> per hour that the company makes and waste an hour of their time. Like, that doesn't bother you? Yeah. It's like, how do you not connect with that? So that's right. I totally agree with that. Company. That's right. That's right. So get, so get us out of meetings and keep us working. That's right. Uh, if, if you got to pick the song that they play for you as you walk on stage to the next conference you're going to speak at, mm -hmm. what would that song be? Any Bruno Mars song. Oh, okay, cool. Nice. That's <laughs> happy and Pick fun. one. Yeah. Absolutely. Good beat. Yeah. Good to yeah. Dance on the stage? I do, actually. I like I it. I try to do a little. Well, you're a dapper dress guy. You could pull yeah. off the Bruno. I like yeah, it. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, is there any particular show you're binging on right now? Oh, uh, well, let's see. What did we just finish? You know what? Uh, Peaky Blinders is back out. Oh yeah, do they have a new episode or a new season? Uh, yeah, so Very I just cool. finished the the binge watch of the. Well, I'm up to, up to speed now. I love it. But uh, all right, so it's it's been a crazy busy week in Vegas. But if you had a like one day to yourself or with your family in Vegas, mm -hmm. what would you go do? We go see shows. 
we're not we're not uh, gamblers in my family too much, uh, but we love to go see shows. Uh, and there's the Michael Jackson show. My wife will go to four hundred times. Oh, really? If Is I would, pay, yeah, she loves it. Nice. Well, I think it's Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. It's too hard to get that beat inside it. The king of right. pop is always going to be the king. Yeah, that's well, right. Rick, it has been awesome to have you on the Big Data Beard podcast, and thanks again for joining me in the IOTRV as part of the road trip to SwankConf 19. We'll see you down the road. Thanks for listening to the Big Data Beard podcast. This amazing adventure would not be possible without our incredible sponsors. We thank you, Dell Technologies, VMware, Red River Technologies, Aero Electronics, and Converging Data for making the road trip to Splunk.conf 2019 possible. And be sure to smash that thumbs up button so we can keep the episodes coming. Until next time, keep being awesome.